In this age of modern technology, it's common for many to think of computers as the ultimate information processing devices. But the reality is, computers are only as intelligent as human minds program them to be. The human brain is complex, its various regions wired together by vast and intricate networks of connections so abundant, it's a wonder we ourselves can understand how it actually works. But a couple of studies are doing exactly that. One study is being conducted right here in our community, taking a closer look at the brains of people affected by epilepsy. It is a devastating illness in some people. Imagine not being able to drive, not being able to work because you're having such frequent seizures. One to two percent of the population has epilepsy, and that sounds like a small number, but when you talk about the whole population of the United States, there's two and a half to three million people in the country that have epilepsy. Another is the largest study ever conducted to better understand the healthy human brain. The Human Connectome Project is providing the opportunity to learn about the amazing things that can be attained by modern brain research. The human brain is the most complex device in the known universe. It is fabulously sophisticated. These are important efforts. Find out what we've learned and what we're still learning about the human brain system of connections, or Connectome. And later, get an inside look at a cool museum exhibit right here in our community, right now, that unlocks the code of the human genome. Genomics is going to become part of the daily healthcare conversation. This exhibit is a good way to kind of initiate that. And then hopefully as our community is educated about this, we'll all be much more knowledgeable and engaged as this becomes a routine part of healthcare in the future. It's a show of connectomes and genomes inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer. It's truly a special honor to spend the next 30 minutes with you as we discover together, today and on each show. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you monthly by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Freighter Hospital, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all our member institutions in advancing biomedical research, as well as finding new drugs, treatments, therapeutics, and interventions that are better, faster, and more cost-effective than ever. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. Recently, the National Institutes of Health and the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke awarded a $5 million grant to the Medical College of Wisconsin and UW-Madison to study the brain in people with epilepsy. It's called the Epilepsy Connectome Project, a four-year study using non-invasive imaging of the brain in hopes of gaining a better understanding of changes in brain areas due to epilepsy and the effect these changes have on recurring seizures and related health issues caused by epilepsy. Dr. Jeffrey Binder is a neurologist at Freighter Hospital and a professor of neurology and biophysics for the Medical College of Wisconsin's Neuroscience Center. And he's one of two principal investigators for the Epilepsy Connectome Project. 
We had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Binder to learn more about his team study and find out what they hope to discover which could shape the way epilepsy is treated in the future. First, Dr. Binder describes exactly what is going on in the brain of a person suffering from epilepsy. Epilepsy is an abnormality of brain function, really, not brain structure so much. It consists of an abnormal increase, usually, in electrical activity in the brain. You know, the brain is composed of billions of little electronic units that we call neurons that generate electrical impulses, and they're all connected to each other to form complex networks. These networks can behave in chaotic ways sometimes, rather like the way atmospheric changes lead to storms. And in fact, epilepsy has been compared metaphorically to a storm in the brain. It's an uncontrolled, oscillatory, rhythmic, abnormal discharge of electrical activity in the brain. That leads to momentary impairment of brain function that can take many different forms. Now, there are many varieties of epilepsy, and Dr. Binder explains that his team will study a very specific type. The most common form, in adults at least, is epilepsy that arises from a part of the brain called the temporal lobe that is just deep to the ear, so it's on the side of the brain, and it happens to have a structure deep down in it called the hippocampus, and there's something about the circuitry of the hippocampus that makes it particularly vulnerable to setting up these abnormal electrical discharges. It's a very common site where epilepsy first occurs, and then it can spread to involve other areas of the temporal lobe. We collect Effectively refer to this condition as temporal lobe epilepsy, or TLE, and that's the type of epilepsy that we're focused on in this project. As for the project's name, what does the term connectome refer to? Connectome is a term that was coined several decades ago, but has recently become much more commonly used. The connectome consists of a structural component, which is the connections, the fibers that connect different brain regions together, and the type of measurement called functional connection, which is a measurement of the degree to which two brain areas are communicating with each other. So we make these two kinds of measurements, a structural connection measurement with an MRI scan, and we make another kind of measurement of functional connection with MRI scans and also with a device called a magnetoencephalogram. There's quite a lot of information available on brains of non-human primates, but these imaging methods are giving us a new window into connectivity at both a structural and a functional level in healthy human beings and providing much more information about the networks in the brain than we've ever had before. So is the Epilepsy Connectome Project a novel study? It is. It's the first large-scale study of brain function functional and structural connections in epilepsy. There have been small-scale studies with a few dozen patients, but we're proposing to study a much larger group of patients and a much more homogeneous group of patients that is similar to each other, a group that has commonalities with each other. We think that's important because these connections between the different brain areas can vary a lot from person to person. So we want to remove as much variation as we can so that we'll have 
adequate statistical power to draw strong conclusions. Next, Dr. Binder describes the techniques they're using and what they'll be looking for in the brains of patients with epilepsy. MRI is a technique familiar to most people. It involves a strong magnetic field. There are measurements made of the way that the brain tissue responds to the strong magnetic field and to magnetic pulses that are delivered in the scanner. In the last 20 to 30 years, there have been two important developments. One is called functional MRI. We take pictures of the brain as it changes over a short period of time, usually a few minutes. And the way it changes is that blood flow levels in different parts of the brain change. And these changes can be detected with an MRI. So you can actually measure how the blood flow is changing in different regions of the brain over time. And that allows us to make measurements of how similar those changes are in different brain areas. When they're highly similar to each other over time, we say that the brain regions are connected to each other. And then one other technique we're using is called diffusion tensor imaging, which is another newish MRI technique developed about 20 years ago to measure the direction that water molecules are flowing in the brain. And if you can measure the direction of flow of these little molecules in the brain, you can make maps of tracts that connect different brain regions together. The plan is to compare findings from the Epilepsy Connectome Project to data sets from an even larger NIH-funded study of the healthy human brain called the Human Connectome Project. The Human Connectome Project is using the MRI and the MEG technique to assess the connectome, and they are collecting data so that the networks in the brain can be characterized more quantitatively and more precisely. And since that large collection of data exists in healthy people, we can now compare the degree of connectivity between different brain regions in people who have epilepsy to discover what the epilepsy is doing to those brain connections. We'll learn even more about the Human Connectome Project in a bit. But ahead of that, if you listen to our recent show on precision medicine, you know there's an emerging focus on personalized treatment in meeting the unique needs of individual patients. Dr. Binder believes that more and better personalized treatment for those suffering from epilepsy can come from his team's study. What we think we can do with these new techniques is to establish personalized medicine in which we can characterize or quantify the degree of abnormality of connections in the brain in a particular individual. And we hope that information will tell us something about how to treat the person better, you know, whether they will respond to standard medications that are used for epilepsy or whether they won't and may need to consider brain surgery for treatment of epilepsy or some other new technique that is available. And we also may be able to give them more accurate information about what their prognosis is. So if we can use these precise measurements that we're talking about to give patients and their physicians a more accurate picture of what's going to happen in the future, that will help us to guide what the best treatment is for the patient. It's too early for any outcomes as a result of the Epilepsy Connectome Project. But he's confident that what will come out of it are better tools for doctors and a better quality of life for patients. So there's always a question in the mind of the physician treating the patient and the patient and their family about what is the best treatment option in their particular case. Sometimes it is adding more medications. Sometimes it is moving on to some other treatment like surgery or now we are just starting to use implanted brain stimulators. So there are a number of treatment options and they they can, by either controlling or lessening the frequency of seizures, produce a huge improvement in quality.
quality of life, but we need to know what are the best options for a particular patient. And our goal here with the Connectome Project is to try and give physicians and patients a better tool for predicting what is going to be the best treatment for them before they even try it, having more information up front about what's likely to work the best. We'll need to check back on this clinical study and update you when there's new discoveries. Meanwhile, if you or someone you know has epilepsy and wonder if there's still an opportunity to get involved. Well, the answer is definitely yes. This project will be going for the next four years, targeting a total enrollment of 200 patients with epilepsy. So any person who is interested in contacting us and talking with us about whether they qualify for the study and meet the study criteria, we're glad to talk to anybody about that. They can also ask their doctor to refer them to the study or call us directly. Our number in Milwaukee is 414-955-4485. That's 414-955-4485. And we'll be sure to post information on our CTSI website along with this show. That's Dr. Jeffrey Binder, Professor of Neurology and Biophysics for the Medical College of Wisconsin's Neuroscience Center and Co-Principal Investigator of the Epilepsy Connectome Project. Our thanks for joining us on today's program. The CTSI congratulates you and your team on receiving an NIH grant for your important clinical study, and we offer you our best wishes as you begin your research. Earlier, we heard Dr. Binder tell us that the eventual findings from his team study will be compared with data sets from another, much larger NIH-funded study called the Human Connectome Project in hopes of determining whether systematic changes are present in the brains of people with epilepsy. The Human Connectome Project was launched in 2009 by a $30 million NIH grant involving over 100 doctors, scientists, and researchers in arguably the most monumental medical study of the 21st century to date. Its goal? Understanding the networks of seemingly infinite connections between the regions of the healthy human brain and the variations between different people's brain function. Dr. David Van Essen is the Department Head of Anatomy and Neurobiology at Washington University in St. Louis and one of two principal investigators of the Human Connectome Project. We recently had the distinct pleasure of speaking with Dr. Van Essen about this epic study he's been leading. First, Dr. Van Essen says that although understanding the human brain is a daunting task, the Human Connectome Project was launched with specific, ambitious goals in mind. The overarching purpose of the Human Connectome Project was to obtain and share as much information as possible about the connectivity that is the wiring of the human brain and also its underlying structure and its function, how it works, and to do this in a large population of healthy young adults. We focused our efforts on a population of twins and their non-twins brothers and sisters in order to give us traction in to looking at what's heritable and what isn't about brain circuitry and function. And in the process of doing a large-scale project, we also put a lot of effort into successfully refining and advancing the methods needed to acquire information about brain structure and function. And while it's still early in compiling all of the data from such a large-scale study, Dr. Van Essen tells us there have already been some significant discoveries. There are two exciting advances I'd like to 
briefly relate. One is a study that explores the relationship between behavioral characteristics and brain connectivity. What this study revealed is that in individuals having characteristics that we generally think of as positive, such as intelligence, strong vocabulary, these individuals have stronger brain connectivity in the regions particularly associated with higher brain function. In contrast, individuals who have more negative attributes, less intelligent, trouble maintaining attention, had lower brain connectivity in the regions associated with higher cognition. There's a lot more to explore here, but this is an intriguing insight into the richness of behavior and how it relates to brain circuits. A second major advance is essentially a new map of the human cerebral cortex, the dominant structure of the human brain, and we've had maps of the cortex for more than a century, but the old maps, the classical maps, are kind of like a 17th century map of the Earth's surface, accurate in a few places, but mostly inaccurately charted. This new advance gives us a much more accurate map of 180 distinct cortical areas analogous to political subdivisions of the Earth's surface, and it brings us up to what I would call a more 19th century map of the cortical surface. It's still got a lot that we'd love to learn, but we're far ahead of where we were a few years ago. In exploring its intricacies, it's reasonable to wonder, is the connectome of the healthy human brain similar between us, or is brain connectivity as unique as the individual? Every brain is fabulously unique in its structure, what it looks like when you examine it carefully, and how it functions. That's what makes each a distinct, intriguingly, fascinatingly different individual, one from the other. Even identical twins, their brains look strikingly different. So some aspects of brain circuitry are inherited. Many aspects are influenced strongly by development, some of that in the embryo in the womb, and much of it after birth and influenced by our immediate environment. During recent phases of the project, data sets gathered from researchers were made available to the public. Dr. Van Essen explains why this is important and necessary. The amount of information and the high quality of the information is so rich that it's simply not practical for the 100 plus investigators teamed up to acquire the data to explore all the interesting issues. So we were enthusiastic about sharing the data and we're delighted that a growing number of investigators around the world are acquiring the data and starting to make their own significant discoveries using this publicly shared resource. Including studies like the epilepsy Connectome project happening in our community. It's really exciting to see the investment by the National Institutes of Health in taking this to another stage to capitalize on the advances that we've obtained in the main HCP project and use the improved methods and general approach to explore extremely important and extremely challenging issues of what has gone wrong in various brain disorders and what can be done to better treat and diagnose many diverse brain disorders and conditions. Now, we've heard about some significant discoveries from the HCP. 
But so far, are there notable examples of new drugs, interventions, or preventions directly related to this project? I wish there were, but I have to be honest in saying not yet. Drug discovery is a particularly vexing and challenging domain. Many of us feel that a critical intermediate step is to identify new biomarkers, new ways of looking inside the brain and finding out what is wrong and what happens when things get better through behavioral modification or drug treatment, but rather than having to wait years to see impact, if there's a way to accelerate the determination of efficacy of different treatments, that will be an important advance and is probably where the most fertile prospects are for the advances attained by the Human Connectome Project and its successors. So what's the status of the Human Connectome Project today? The Human Connectome Project's wrapping up as we speak, but excitingly, the National Institutes of Health and other agencies here and abroad are moving forward with additional projects to study the human brain in different stages of the lifespan from early to intermediate childhood and development through to aging using the methods provided by the HCP but expanding it to different age groups and also to different brain disorders like the epilepsy project we just talked about and a growing number of other projects. So there is a way forward forward and it will involve the new methods not only of acquiring the data but analyzing it more accurately and also publicly sharing the data. That's going to be increasingly important for all of these projects. Finally, we asked Dr. Van Essen a rather paradoxical question. Is it realistic to think we're capable of completely understanding our brain? Or is our brain too complex to ever be completely understood? It's a great question. I ponder it frequently. It's impossible to really answer incisively. My guess is that if our species is able to survive for a few more centuries, we will know enormously more about how our brains work in health and disease. But a complete understanding in every respect is a daunting challenge, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's outside the capabilities of of the human brain as we know it. That's Dr. David Van Essen, Department Head of Anatomy and Neurobiology at Washington University in St. Louis, and one of two principal investigators of the Human Connectome Project, the most in-depth study of the healthy human brain in medical history. Up next, our CTS Eye on the Community is focused on an amazing exhibit now open at Discovery World Science and Technology Center in Milwaukee. It's called Genome, Unlocking Life's Code, and it's being presented through a collaborative partnership between Discovery World and the Medical College of Wisconsin, a partner institution of CTSI. This 4,000-square-foot interactive exhibit was originally created by the National Human Genome Research Institute and debuted at the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. But it's here in our community through April 25th, Genome Unlocking Life's Code is an interesting journey that explores our complex DNA structure. And considering that the mapping of our human genome is likely the biggest medical breakthrough in our lifetime, we thought it would be fun to give you an inside look at this fascinating exhibit. To do this, we enlisted the help of Dr. Matthew Anderson, Medical Director of Diagnostic Laboratories at Blood Center of Wisconsin and a member of the Medical College of Wisconsin's Human and Molecular Genetics Center. 
Now, before we head to Discovery World and check out the genome exhibit, Dr. Anderson tells us exactly what DNA is and how it works in our cells. Deoxyribonucleic acid, it's a chemical that resides in all of our cells. It contains the instructions for how cells work. And then building from that, how cells work together to build organs and tissues. I oftentimes use a book analogy for people. So if you can imagine you have an encyclopedia, each one of those has various chapters. And each one of those chapters represents a gene. So how you read that chapter is the stretch of the letters in the DNA code. We know that it's not as simply just reading it one way. It's just like people. When you read a book, you may take a different message away from the chapter, and that's exactly how the system works. The DNA provides a code, but how those sentences are read and how intensely they're read is really what drives the diversity that you see when you actually look at the entire organism. Through the decoding of the human genome, scientists now better understand DNA and Dr. Anderson tells us what that means for medicine today and going forward. Understanding the genetic code allows us to understand how the machinery of biology works. And then when you have that information, now you can apply it to understanding diseases, thinking about how the genetic code will actually impact your risk of developing a disease. And that is really the concept of precision medicine. The reality today is that understanding the DNA sequence is largely helpful in cases where we have a very strong phenotype, like if a child has a very severe genetic defect. We may be able to understand that at a genetic level much more easy than a more complex or more common phenotype or disease, something like diabetes or heart disease. And that's really the next frontier of where this technology is going is understanding these more complex diseases. Okay, let's head over to Discovery World, where Dr. Anderson says their partnership with the medical college to bring the genome exhibit to Milwaukee is important for many reasons, starting with... First and foremost is to let the community know that this kind of work happens here. It doesn't just happen on the coast. <laughs> we have a large group of folks here who both from the medical side and the scientific side are using this technology every day, not only to discover new things, but also to impact healthcare on a daily basis. So what can you expect to experience? Dr. Anderson says there's interesting, engaging, interactive things to discover from the get-go. One of the fun things that you see right when you enter the exhibit is what they call the trade walls. Exhibitors themselves took part in creating this where they took community members and the staff of Discovery World and walk you through how some clear genetic traits can actually alter your appearance. And these are simple things like, you know, do your ear lobes hang free from the side of your head or can you roll your tongue or not? And it is a very quick way for visitors to engage with how their genes even affect their life in admittedly some trivial ways, but still it has an impactful way of thinking, oh yeah, that's me. I have a widow's peak or my tongue can roll. I think it sets visitors up for the rest of the exhibit so they can really engage with some of the other stations in the exhibit. Stations like this one where you'll hear stories about people like Monica. I would not be alive today if it weren't for these targeted medicines that have come about as a result of genetic testing and the ability to target treatments. She came to me with a newly diagnosed lung cancer. She was obviously very shocked and surprised to find this. She was in her 30s. She was a lifelong never smoker. Dr. Rudin did suggest the genetic testing. I didn't fit the typical profile of a lung cancer patient, that it was more likely that I would have a mutation. Learn more about Monica's story and others who are experiencing positive outcomes from advancements in genomic research. And while the exhibit is packed with science and technology, it's also filled with fun. As Dr. Anderson tells us, this is a truly family-friendly exhibit. There's various levels of interaction throughout the exhibit, and I think it's appropriate for all ages. Including kid-friendly activities, like this one we discovered being led by Kira, 
a volunteer from MSOE. Today we were having children come and show us their fingerprints and then they would compare it with their friends or their family members and notice all the differences. We connected the differences in their fingerprints to differences in DNA and then similarities, especially between family members, to similarities in their DNA. Finally, Dr. Anderson says he believes the partnership between Medical College of Wisconsin and Discovery World and bringing this and future exhibits to Milwaukee provide ongoing benefit and positive impact for our community. I just think Discovery World can serve as a place where we can connect community members with the science and medical activities going on in this community. We can foster discussion we can have scientific talks. We can really get the community engaged with what's going on. Because, again, there's a lot going on here, and the more that our community knows about it and becomes engaged, it's not only going to help the basic overall health of this community, but also the way that our community invests in our research mission that's going on here as well. That's Dr. Matthew Anderson, Medical Director of Diagnostic Laboratories at Blood Center of Wisconsin and a member of the Medical College's Human and Molecular Genetics Center. We appreciate his insight and expertise in giving us a virtual tour of this outstanding exhibit at Discovery World. And if you and your family want to experience Genome Unlocking Life's Code firsthand, you can get more information by first visiting Discovery World's website at discoveryworld.org. But don't wait too long, because this is a traveling exhibit, and it's only here for a limited time. Again, Genome Unlocking Life's Code is open at Discovery World in Milwaukee through April 25th which just so happens to be National DNA Day. Coincidence? You decide. And that brings us to the end of this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Once again, our sincere thanks to our guest today, Dr. Jeffrey Binder, Dr. David Van Essen, Dr. Matthew Anderson, and special thanks to Discovery World's Paul Flatten and student volunteer Kira Gudgel from MSOE. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show, and I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month, so make an appointment on your calendar to join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer, wishing you happy, healthy days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to this program online and on demand, please visit the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin's website at ctsi.mcw.edu. And be sure to share your knowledge of this show and the CTSI with all your family members and friends. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, co-produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer. Engineered and co-produced by Tom Crawford and Jeremy Kuzniar in collaboration with WMSC Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir. <laughs>